It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So now Posey reaches away and throws it so high. There are some intangibles that those projections failed to take into consideration. The crowd was going crazy. There's not much in life that's better than that. You're listening to Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hello there. Welcome to the 49th episode of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys Podcast. Sam Lubman here with Joe the Butcher Boy Shasky. And the Giants have completed their uh, first series of their first homestand, taken one of three against the Kansas City Royals. And this weekend, Shasky, we got to return to the ballpark. Just really quick before we really dive into it, just being able to walk through uh, through the ballpark again, what was it like being back? I thought it was an absolutely incredible environment. I think like we've underrated Giants fans just in general in terms of their hardcore fandom. Um, and then obviously there's a ton of casual Giants fans, especially over the last 15 years. You know, uh, going back to when they finally won that World Series, you can start to see that there are generations of Giants fans, young, old, you know, all the way up to to grandparents who were there many, many moons before they ever hoisted a championship. And just being in that ballpark, it's one of the greatest venues, I think, in sports, number one. Number two, my God, the pace of play was through the roof. My wife, uh, my, my brother-in-law's uh, wife, um, excuse me, my, my, my cousin's wife, um, they were all commenting on how, you know, with the pitch clock, and this was a casual baseball fan's observation, now I know when the ball's going to be in play. Like, it's almost like a timer yeah. to tell me, pay attention, something's about to happen. And so I went to go grab, you know, food and drinks and beverages and things like that. And I realized, like, man, I, I missed an entire inning. Whereas before, I might only miss one or two batters. Yeah. And so I just think from an in-game viewing experience, because that was my first in-game viewing experience of all of the new rules there's just so much to take away, but it felt great being in that ballpark, even though they lose game one, they lose game two in a horrific fashion of the series, and they ended up salvaging today. We'll get to all of those, but I think my general consensus, A, we underrated Giants fans. Like, they were out in droves, and Definitely. B, my God, the pitch clock, the bases, more movement on the base pass, being uh, limiting how many times you could throw over. It has made it a must watch in the stadium type of a performance it was incredible sam yeah no i mean it's, it's always great to be back and you're right the, the the spirit of giants fans it has not died they really just giants fans they, it takes a lot to really kill their spirits yeah. and this weekend it was out in full force you could just really feel the joy as far as the pitch clock so in the uh the top of the seventh inning i went to go uh visit some of my seat neighbors over in section 127 chat with them for a little bit stayed through the seventh inning stretch i left as soon as the seventh inning stretch was over 
I walked from section 127 back to the press box. By the time I sat back down in my seat in the press box, the bottom of the seventh inning was over. Wow. It was like, I, there was no dilly dallying on my end. I was straight walk back. I didn't bump into anybody. I didn't go to the bathroom, didn't get any concessions or anything like that. It was just, I'm going to keep walking. And then by the time I sat down, I met, I missed an entire half inning. So it does move quickly. You, you really cannot look away at all or else you are going to miss something. So, um, Speaking of stuff that we maybe would have want to missed was those two <laughs> losses uh, that we started off the home stretch with. Before we before we move on yeah. to those, before we move on to those, just a general takeaway. I don't know how many people casually understand the Royal roster. Like it's Salvador Perez and a bunch of nobodies. You know, Bobby Wood right. Jr. is an exciting name who played for Team USA. But like, let's be real. Matt Duffy got an unbelievable reception from Giants fans. I'm not sure if you caught that on Friday. Oh, no, I did. I know it was one of the top. Uh, one of the top ovations of that day was when Matt Duffy came out. That was incredible. And then number two, they had guys in motion all game long in both games in terms of base pass speed. It was the most action I've seen on the bases in forever. So I just want to hear like one last little bow on the rules and the pitch clutch, which I know we're going to talk about all year long. Seeing a guy steal a base, force the second baseman to go and cover and them hit, hit and run, basically driving the ball to, to right field. How amazing was that? And then you get to see first to third. And I, I just thought, and I know we're going to get to Bryce Johnson and his base running today, but like seeing people run the bases to me is one of the exciting plays in baseball. They have nailed these rules. And that's just in stadium, watching it from the seats, watching it from my couch. Uh, that's my big takeaway two weeks in. Forget the Giants and all that. Baseball <laughs> nailed these rules. Like they are amazing. It's it's they're off to a great start. You just, you're really seeing yeah the the, the fast pace again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder if maybe it's a little too fast. I know today's game you're <laughs> approaching. It was two hours and fifteen minutes for today's game. I'll be honest, Shasky. If I ever go to a baseball game that ends in two hours or less, I'm probably gonna feel like I didn't get my money's worth. But I can understand we'll, that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. One thing yeah. I do really want to get into is uh, talking about the hitting with the Giants right yes. now. We really saw both sides of it this weekend. It's just been super hot and cold. You know, one mm. day. They're hitting the ball all over the park. The next day, they're exerting as much effort as they possibly can just to scrape a run together, and it doesn't really matter because the other team's going to score three, four, five runs. I'm just kind of curious, though, when when it comes to this up-and-down nature of of the Giants lineup right now, I mean, obviously it's it's early, so it's not going to be like that forever. But I feel like if if that's what it's going to be like early on, that's going to get frustrating for Giants fans really quickly. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. Let's let's talk about some of the positives though. Like Yastrzemski, mm-hmm. Conforto, JD Davis, VR, Estrada. Like these guys are having great at bats. I know the numbers don't look eye popping, but like watching it with my eyeballs, it is eye popping because I'm seeing good balanced swings. Is Crawford in a deep abyss? Yeah, yeah, he is. Are are they failing to get the big hit with runners in scoring position? It does feel that way. Like all of those things can be true. I actually really like their approach right now. I, I don't understand why they're bunting as much as they as they are because it, to me it was like a wave the white flag moment when they bunted mm-hmm. with two outs with Yastrzemski the other day. Like that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But I'm loving the approach from the hitters. I do believe these bats are going to wake up, but there's going to be days, you know, like again, it seems the consistent theme, the days where they strike out um, are every day, but the days they don't put the ball in play at all, they're not going to score a lot of runs because they're not a very fast team. No, and this is the problem when you have a team that really becomes over-reliant on home runs. Is yes. When you don't have home runs to hit, then you're looking for other ways to score, and the Giants are really just kind of early on showing that they're struggling to find ways to score 
where mm-hmm. you're just kind of keeping the line moving. You know, the, we always talk about the ground attack, but yeah, it's, it's base hit after base hit after base hit, just knock guys in. So after Friday's game, you know, in the post-game scrum, I asked Gabe Kapler just kind of his thoughts on just kind of how up and down this offense has been. And here is what he had to say on that. I think it's sticking with our our approach as an offense always, which is looking for pitches to drive. If the pitch is in that location, you're going to be especially aggressive. If pitches are not in that location, you're going to be patient. Um, sometimes you have to hand it to a, a pitcher who does a nice job. And on the other hand, uh, we're the type of offense that can survive against any pitcher in this league. Um, we just need to show up more consistently than we have so far this season. Basically, yeah, I mean, he's – it's more just they're going to keep focusing on their approach at the play. We know how the Giants really try to attack hitting. They're they're going to look for their pitches that they like to hit, and they're going to spit on the pitches that they don't want to hit. It's a very admirable strategy, but here's kind of my concern that I want to kind of share with you, Shasky, and that is great pitchers know where to throw the ball where the other hitters won't be able to hit it. You saw it again in in game one with Garrett Cole he was really pounding guys on the inside in the on the inside part of the zone getting strikes and that's just part of the zone that the Giants just weren't able to make contact in I wonder if teams have maybe kind of figured out the Giants approach at the plate and they know hey if we can hit them in certain spots of the strike zone they're just they're not going to have any answers for it there I'm kind of curious are do you feel like that maybe teams are kind of catching on to that strategy and I mean obviously it takes a pitcher to really kind of be able to locate pitches Mm -hmm. to be able to do that so certain pitchers are going to have better luck doing that than others. But what I'm seeing that, you know, we're going to stick to our approach, but teams are beating the giants at their approach. It, it seems like you're, you're, you're having a moment where something's going to have to give. I think this is a team that if you just look at how they've assembled it, this is going to be one of the all time high strikeout teams in giants history. I mean, it just is like Sam. I mean, how many guys, there are a lot of guys with good on base percentages on this team relative to league average, but these guys all strike out a high amount of times. And so I think that the strikeout for a Giants fan is actually, we reject it. We, we do not like the strikeout. I think there's other fan bases that maybe are more accustomed to the strikeout. I don't think Giants fans are that way. And I would argue this. They do have a lot of guys that are big boppers. The area that they have really failed to capitalize on is finding an above average leadoff man. I mean, yeah. I know Lamont Wade Jr. has really nice on-base percentage, again, relative to league average, not necessarily a base dealer. Boy, if they could find one guy who they could slot at the top of this order where he guys gets on base and he's a havoc to be on second or to score from second on a base hit with the meat of this order, I think a lot of these other guys would look a lot different. And then again, you're looking at a team that just doesn't put the ball in play a lot. No, and I think maybe when we're talking about finding that leadoff guy, I mean, again, Lamont Wade Jr., you love the fact that he gets on base, but yeah, he's not a guy who he's, he's not going to turn a single into a double Sam, right Sam. away with base running, you know, but, but a guy like maybe a Bryce Johnson, exactly. I, him up, I think that's where you're going earlier. He's the only guy on this team outside of maybe Austin Slater, who I think has that kind of top of the lineup speed. You maybe depending on who you ask Tyro Estrada, a lot of people see him as a guy who can maybe be a 20 stolen base guy with the bigger bases, mm-hmm. but no, it, it, it lets you have that, legitimate table setter at the top of the lineup it does it, it trickles down through exactly. the rest of the batting order you're not setting the table but then it's the times where the giants do set the table that can also be incredibly vexing for giants fans and i'm talking about uh yesterday saturday's game where it was the i believe the bottom of the eighth inning mm-hmm. and the giants loaded the bases with nobody out and the, as soon as it happened, I just I let out just a big sigh, just like I, I knew what was about to happen. Mm. And sure enough, three straight strikeouts later, I was proven right. 
Shasky, it's the same problems that this team had last year. I think we said in the last pod, bases loaded hitting is just an abyss for this team right now. I just, I, I don't understand how it's such a struggle for them. They can load the bases like no one else. They were great at doing it last year, but as soon as it happens, you know, they just, they, they struggle. They can't and, get hit. It's, it's and, either walks or sacrifices. And this is where my big pushback with the analytics people who say strikeouts don't matter at all, as in they, they don't hurt you negatively. Mm-hmm. Case in point yesterday, two strikeouts with a runner on third and less than two outs. Two, two. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to put the ball in play. At minimum, hitting it back to the pitcher at least forces multiple people to touch the ball, make the guy make a decision. You know, like one it, World Series, they would put the ball in play and guys exactly. would put the ball and that's how you get magical moments like say like the Brooks Conrad moment. Well, like, I, 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 going back to it, not having a lead off, a true leadoff hitter, you know, now you're slotting other people in different spots. Like I like to see Lamont Wade in the five, six, seven hole. And then he's coming up in that situation yesterday, as opposed to Crawford. Like right now, Crawford feels like an eight hitter, a nine hitter. Like he yeah. really does. Um, I think he's five for 30 or five for 29 to start off the season. It's a funk and his mm-hmm. movement going left and right. Not good. And so I'm, uh, they're grounding into double plays because they don't have a lot of team speed. Um, it's just very, very frustrating. Situational hitting has been an issue for the whole organization for a long time. Yeah, and it's it's either they're just going to have to break through and these hits are going to have to just eventually start falling. They, they're just going to eventually have to start making hits or they're going to have to make an adjustment at the plate. I don't know if they're going to be making yeah. huge adjustments. This is not uh, – the, the team philosophy is not one that's built on making adjustments. I yeah. asked Mike Shremsky after the game – just kind of you know what the the plan is there. You know, would there would there be a change in the plan? And he kind of just kind of shot it down. No, we're not going to make any changes at the plate. We're going to keep to our approach because that's what's been working there. And that's something that kind of fundamentally fundamentally worries me for this team is when the league adjusts to you, you need to then adjust to the adjustment. Mm-hmm. And that is something that the Giants, ever since Farhan and Gabe Kapler got here, they are very committed to their approach. And on the one hand, I do respect that. But when your approach is no longer working and you're doing the same thing over and over again, you get into the definition well, of insanity Sam, right now. Sam, I don't think the Royals roster is better than the Giants. Okay. Now there's reasons why they lost, but they did a lot of little things really well. They executed small ball for multiple mm-hmm. days quite well. And I was very impressed with the brand of baseball that the Royals played. I felt like they adjusted their approach as a team based on the personnel they had leaning into the speed, leaning into small ball. You know what I mean? And so I saw so many stolen bases and so many opportunities. Cobb got squared up a lot, even though the numbers didn't maybe showcase that he got hit around like that. They put really good swings on the ball on Friday. And so it's no surprise to me that they won both of those games. That's a scrappy team. And I love their approach. The the Giants' approach is not going to be one where they put the ball in play a lot, and it's not going to be one that isn't without home runs and strikeouts. Sam, that's the roster they've built. I need mm-hmm. to kind of come to grips with it. Yeah, and it's for better or for worse. There's going to be days where when it when it works out, it's going to look like Shakespeare. They've hit, yeah. I think, 16 home runs in their in their four wins so far. But then there's going to be days where it's just we're, it's going to be feel like we're pulling teeth, just trying to get one one across and. It's going to be something that Giants fans are going to have to really come to grips with early on because it's it's going to drive you crazy if you, if you allow it to. So uh, you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Loveman here with Joe Shassi coming at you every week with the best Giants content out there. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing to this podcast and share it with everybody who you've ever met in your entire life. All right, so want to uh, take a look behind the plate right now because – 
the catching position this weekend suddenly became very problematic for this team. And that was on Friday. Roberto Perez tried to catch a runner stealing second base. The throw wasn't there. It seemed like a totally normal throw. Then next thing I know, I look down and Perez is walking off the field with an injury. We don't know what's going on. We assume it's a shoulder injury. Then yesterday, the news breaks. Shoulder strain, 60-day IL, no Roberto Perez for at least two-plus months. And with the Joey Bart injury, now you're looking at Blake Sable and a prayer from Gary Sanchez <laughs> for, for this team behind the plate. And Shasky, I did not have Giants catching position becoming this dire on my bingo sheet one week into I did. I mean, I did. When you yeah. told me heading into the season that Blake Sable, who barely played any catcher, is in the mix for starting opening job, like, yeah, I, I, I feel like this is a problem. This has been a problem. I mean, you're replacing a legend in Buster Posey, and so no one's going to be able to accurately replace that guy. But can can one of them step up and be an everyday guy? Doesn't feel likely. I feel yes. like they're going to platoon catcher at least throughout the remainder of this year. Now, Joey Bart did go two for three in his first appearance for the River Cats. That was encouraging. But he's hit in the minors before. Can he hit yeah. at the majors? Can he defend at the majors? I don't know. Blake Sable seems like the bat's waking up, which is good. But I don't think he really has a position. I think he's got a lot of jock in him in that he's probably more DH than he is, you know, balanced hitter fielder. Like he made a clunky play out in left field. It was a nice play, but it was very clunky. He's yeah. kind of slow. I don't think he's a, a natural catcher. Like, I don't think they have an answer on the roster, and that's why you're praying to God if you're a Giants fan. Joey Bart, please like show some semblance of being a big leaguer. Yeah, and I think when I looked at the signing of Roberto Perez, obviously he's a two-time gold glover, doesn't have a whole lot of history with the bat. That look, It was obvious. That was a defensive first signing. The goal was to bring him in because you knew you're getting better defense behind the plate. He was much better at throwing runners out than the other catches the Giants had on the roster. So with Perez... The big thing you're losing is that defensive presence and that ability to call a game. You saw Logan Webb say it after opening day. He really liked throwing Roberto Perez. He felt very comfortable throwing to him. This is a guy who his absence, it's it's going to be felt for this team, both defensively and just in terms of you know how pitchers are able to work with the other catchers on this team. That's going to be a big struggle. I don't know, like Joey Bart. He's kind of had some struggles working with pitchers, uh, you know, throughout his short career. And Blake Sable, again, like you said, I don't think he is a a traditional catcher. He's not a normal catcher. It's going to be some learning on the fly for him. There's going to be some some struggles here. And we've seen that ever since Buster Posey left, or even go back to 2020 when Buster Posey wasn't on the roster, the difference of no Buster versus Buster is huge, all the way down to just small things from throwing runners out, or the big things like throwing runners out, to small things such as sticking the glove out too far and causing a catcher's interference. Well, I mean, and then think about little things like, you know, allowing that. I thought it was a wild pitch, but I've heard a lot of people say, hey, the, the pitch by Duval to kind of lose the game on Saturday, you know, maybe a more elite catcher makes a better play on that one. I still mm -hmm. think it was a very bad pitch by Camilo Duval. And then, you know, just the pitch sequencing by Ross Stripling. Why, why is Ross Stripling even in there? But like all of that factors in, like if you have some consistency behind the plate, do some of these situational pitching gaffes, do they look a little different? I don't know. I think it's all fair to question. Yeah. I mean, one thing I do think that you probably don't have to worry about as much, at least right now, is when it comes to stolen bases. Uh, I was chatting with John Shea during Friday's game, and we were kind of talking about stolen bases, just kind of how teams will handle that. And his thought was, and I kind of agree with it, I kind of wonder how many teams early on are just going to say, screw it, run on us. 
is just with the bases being bigger, the rules on pickoffs changing. I mean, you've seen sometimes where a guy uses his two pickoff throws. I saw this on opening day with the uh, the Braves and the Nationals. Uh, what was I think it was Ozzy Albies gets on base, gets two quick pickoff throws, and then that third lead he took, was, it was it was massive. It was yeah. just everybody knew you can't throw over. You're going to run. I'm kind of curious, you know. How many teams are just going to be like, you know what, just run on us. We'll, well figure it out. We'll deal with it. So when you're the Giants and you're worrying about base runners going, well, maybe you don't worry about it right now, mainly because the rest of the league is just kind of taking that same approach. Well, let's take it another, another step. Even if you are going to cover up the middle on a stolen base to second base, it's not like your second baseman and shortstop have tremendous range. Like it's not like Estrada is this gold glover, like Roberto Alomar Jr., where he can get back in position and make a play left or right diving. Like Estrada is, I'd say average to a below average defensively at second base. And that might even be kind. And then yeah. Crawford, like love craw. Crawl looks slow. I'm just telling you, like seeing the pressure that the Royals put on the base pass changed their defense. And I also thought it got into Cobb's head a little. Yeah, and that's gonna be it's gonna be even more difficult now with with Roberto Perez out because yeah. he's been there for such a short time. But and Alex Cobb was saying after like he means a lot to this team already. This guy who's fresh on the team and has such great importance to this team, which I mean that's awesome that Perez has really kind of ingratiated himself in so quickly. But I also think that's kind of an indictment on the rest of the catchers on this team. Blake yeah. Sable is who he is. Gary Sanchez, he's an offensive first catcher, assuming the offense is still there. But he was never really known for his defensive abilities. And then you got uh, Joey Bart, who it really feels like we're we're counting down the days until Joey Bart is DFA'd from this roster. It, the front office just does not at all seem enamored with him in any way, shape, or form. I got a feeling we're going to see Patrick Bailey before we see Joey Bart play a full month as your starting catcher. That might be, yeah. That That's probably a good way to look at it, too. Because at this point, you, you kind of have – Almost kind of free range. Just try anything at this point. You're it's not good. Really at, yeah. And I mean, we've seen the Giants really get lost in the wilderness at certain positions trying to replace guys. 17 years with a different left fielder uh, on opening day. It's been two years now since Buster Posey's left. And it's been two different catchers two on opening day. Or sorry. Yeah. One year now. We're in year two. Sam. Sam, since the end of spring training, they've had three different catchers catch a game. Like, think about that. Like, forget, forget, forget how many years. Like, and just think of who's who's caught it. And then you got Austin Wins in there today. That's four, actually. Sable, Perez, Bart, who caught a couple at the end of spring Wins. training. And yeah, now and got Gary Sant- five, four. five catchers are going to be suiting up for the Giants once you get a month in there. Yeah, it, we're not even through the first month of the season. It's, <laughs> it's, this is, the Giants have a serious issue at the catching position now. Factual. And again, I'm not saying replace Buster Posey, but you've got to find someone who can get in there and consistently uh, catch behind the dish on a consistent basis. This rotating you know, carousel of catchers, it's it's not going to be able to last for very long. The guy I wish who could play catcher, God, I wish J.D. Davis could catch because, man, that guy, I'd love to get his bat in the lineup every day. Some way, somehow, and they're gonna have to figure. Yeah, I know he can't. I'm just saying ways to get him in, but yeah, it's yeah. gonna be. Uh, you are listening to the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Sam Lubman here with Joe Shasky. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Share this podcast with everybody because this is the best place to get all of your Giants talk in. Sammy, can we get into two things real quick? Yeah, Gabe Kapler and Ross Stripling. Let's do it. All right, Saturday they've got a four-one lead. 
and Ross Stripling comes in after a beautiful bit game pitched by Sean Mania. Probably the best Sean Mania has looked in multiple years. I mean, he looked fantastic. He was striking out guys, uh, you know, mixing up speeds. I thought he looked as as effervescent and as confident as I've seen him in a long, long, long time. And then they go in the seventh inning to Ross Stripling. Okay, hasn't pitched in a while, I guess. I don't know why the Rogers brothers aren't there. Like you've been touting them all off season. I don't know why we haven't gone to Alexander. I don't know why we didn't go to Brebbia in that situation, but fine. He gets through one inning and then he comes back out there in the eighth and multiple guys get on. And I text the group thread and I'm like, yank him. Like he's he's met the three batter minimum. He's not a late inning reliever. He's to me, he's a, Six, a five, six starter, you know, swing starter, or he's the guy who comes in in the fourth, fifth, or sixth inning to bridge you, the middle of the game. Not a reliever. And he's been scuffling. He looks horrible right now. Now, he comes up against Salvador Perez, who's a f- almost 50 home run guy last year, who's a low ball hitter, and he throws one low, and it's a tough pitch to hit. But I was not surprised Salvador Perez racked that for a game time three run homer. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, yeah, Ross Stripling stinks. Kapler, why was he in? Like, what was the philosophy yeah. there? And that it it almost seems like they're they're over managing already a week into the season. Maybe it it's a head scratching decision to be sure. I I don't understand why you go out you you revamp the bullpen like they did, and then when you you have a chance to use that bullpen, you're sticking with a guy who's basically a swingman like that. It just it, it doesn't make sense. You make moves, you make certain moves over the off season, so you have these options ready for you in the regular season. But then you're like you're trying to get cute here with you know going with you know stripling piggybacking off of Manaya. Listen, it worked for the first inning. You brought him in for the seventh inning. He got through it. That's what I'm saying. You, you did it. You have nothing left. That's to Exactly prove. what I'm saying. Bullpen. Let's get some guys in there from that bullpen. Have them do their job. And it just, I don't know if it's a thing where it's the spreadsheets telling them what to do. That's what the front office is telling them what to do. Regardless, it just it showed a lack of awareness for the moment that has really plagued the Giants in the last couple years. And let me let me take it a step further. Like, okay, he said in the postgame, I wanted to get Ross Stripling some work. Great. He threw his one inning. He could do a bullpen session later on after the game. Like, mm-hmm. we, 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 we handing out orange slices too after this one? Like, does form not matter? Do my eyeballs not matter? You got lucky with him with a three-run lead in the inning prior, and he gave up a home run, I believe, in the inning prior. But, like, you, you got lucky. You got through the situation. Or maybe Manaya was the one who gave up the home run. But, like, to me, like, does form not matter? The guy's given up, I think, seven long balls in the last yeah. multiple starts. He's been getting crushed. So, like, okay, you squeeze the lemon for one. For one inning. Great. Let's go to a legitimate bullpen arm here. Like it's early on in the season. These early game losses, they can screw you down the line. You yeah. have a full healthy bullpen. Okay. It's a four out situation in, in terms of a save. Maybe you go to Duvall in this situation who hasn't pitched a whole lot early on in this year, like anyone but Ross Stripling. And I don't like, I want to know what was the reason other than we wanted to get him some work. Like it just, it made zero sense. I mean, it's, Getting work is fine, but we saw it with Shamanaya in uh, was the, the White Sox home opener. Yes, where you know Shamanaya comes in with a seven nothing lead. All right, yeah, let's let him work through some of his issues right there. That's fine because you have that seven run cushion. Exactly, you're on the road. This is your home opening series weekend. You have a three run lead with two days and, off to start the year, and and you're trying to get cute. It's just yeah. it's not necessary. And again, when we when we talk about the frustrations that fans have with the Giants right now with the managing with the front office that's that's basically all those frustrations 
in a nutshell, just coming from that one moment right there. No, there's no doubt about it. And then, like, again, you got Salvador Perez up. He's the only guy who's going to scare you. Walk him. Pitch yeah. around him. Bring We're in Tyler Rogers. Yeah. Bring in Taylor Rogers. Bring in Camilo Duvall. Like, I could have made the argument for about five different people in that situation other than Ross Stripling. And then that leaves me to Ross Stripling. Look, I, he'll get opportunities to continue to start. He's going to get spot mm-hmm. starts. They're not going to DFA him. But it doesn't look good. And everybody that was hyping up Ross Stripling to start the year – Come on, like, come on. Let, let's let's call it what it is. Ross Stripling is a is a fine guy to start in a pinch as your five starter. He's okay to bring in when your starter gets yanked in the third or fourth inning, but he's not somebody that I'm giving the rock to. You know, feeling great about myself every five days, and he's certainly not somebody who I'm putting in the eighth inning of what I deem to be an early kind of gotta have it win to start your season off. So very frustrating for me. Yeah. Well, let's move off of one blue and white team and talk about another blue and white team. The uh, Los Angeles Dodgers are making their first of now ah. two appearances at Oracle Park this year. Uh, if you can't see them this week, Shasky, you're going to have to wait until the very end of the season to see the Dodgers again. And I get there's a new balance schedule. A lot of people like that. The one thing I did not like about it, though, is, yes, we get one less Dodgers series at Oracle Park this year. I mean, it was always great. You have your early season Dodger series, you have your late season Dodger series, and then you got one in the summer. So you had plenty of opportunities to see the Dodgers play. Having one less now, it I don't like it. I don't really like the fact that we have one less Dodger series. And one and think about Major League Baseball thought so highly of the Giants. They gave them the Royals to start the year at home. And then you're putting a Dodger game on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Really? Yeah. Really? You're going to limit the amount of Dodger games and you're going to put it on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? Like that to me is is just I wonder, insane. I know for a while that when it came to scheduling, they tried to get as many Giants-Dodger games on weeknights as they could because they wanted a more like the weeknight crowd was a little bit more of a mellower crowd. And this was in the aftermath of the Brian Stowe issue. So for years, it seemed like they were trying to avoid weekend series because they want a more timid crowd. That was so long ago. You don't need to do that anymore. I don't know if that's the reason here, but yeah, it just, I'm not saying you have to open up with the Dodgers, but to have the Royals coming in, opening up the home schedule and then the Dodgers, yeah, it, it is weird. Like I don't, like I know some people are saying, Oh, less games against the Dodgers. That's good for the giants. It's like, not really. No, like, no. It's, it's the rivalry is the rivalry. And yeah. it's, it seemed like, I don't know if there's a way they could have imbalanced it in some way. I don't know, but Having two Dodger series all year, not not a huge fan of it. So uh, taking a quick preview at this series. So Monday you see night, the pitching got, matchups. I'm getting into that right now. So Monday night, you got Logan Webb against Julio Urias. Uh, Tuesday, you got Alex Wood going against Dustin May, who mm. I've seen some of the early looks on Dustin May. He looks really good. He yeah, ginger guard. This time from uh, from dealing with Tommy John surgery. And then Alex Cobb on Wednesday, and it is a Dodger series, so you know he's taking the mound. Clayton Kershaw against Alex Cobb in that uh, Wednesday night game. Clayton Kershaw, it's almost at the point where you hate him because he's a Dodger, but at the same time, it's impossible not to respect the body of work that he has put in in his career. Even at the end of his career, where he's just not really quite the, the guy he used to be. Every year, you're counting down to that back injury that sidelines him for a month. But at the same time, when he takes the mound, especially against the Giants, uh, Shasky, I don't know if you ever looked at, looked at his numbers against the Giants I'm over sure. his career. I'm sure it's Cy Young level. 
they're they're comparable to the numbers that Pedro Martinez put up in his 2000 season, where one which we consider one of the greatest pitch single season pitching performances ever. I mean, imagine prime Pedro facing the Giants every time, but it's Clayton Kershaw. That's just how good he is. It's at the point where I don't even get mad when he shuts this team down because it's we're watching one of the best pitchers of a generation put out his best work against the Giants. And it's it it stinks that the Giants have to lose as a result of it, but at the same time. After a while, you just got to appreciate just like we really saw one of the true greats of an era. There's no doubt about that. And I'm worried for Logan Webb right now. I'm, I'm going to be real with you right now. He can start off this season 0-3, and, and then they play the Detroit Tigers, the, the Giants do, another AL opponent, and then the Miami Marlins. So if he doesn't pitch in the Tiger series, I believe he will. But if he doesn't, he could be going up again his fourth time around. Not only is he going to face Urias this time, he could be facing Sandy Alcantara uh, for, yeah. for Miami. He could start off the season 0-4. Like, that is a legitimate thing. I, I'm very worried for Logan Webb uh, and his record this year. And this goes back to, you know, me talking about the depth of the rotation. Like, look look at who they're pitching in these games, the Dodgers. Kershaw, one of their all-time legends. Ginger Guard, one of their highest prospects. Even though I would say he's kind of underperformed at the big league level because of the injuries, but he, you could see the talent. And then Urias has been phenomenal for them. He led Major League Baseball, at least in the National League, in wins last year. And so you're, you're looking at a really, really, really formidable rotation. And then you look at the Giants, and it's Logan Webb and who? Yeah, and that – I. I it is kind of concerning for Logan Webb. He has been a little bit snake bit by the offense. To I start. Agree. The offense has not supported him. He's looked great for the most part, except for some bad pitches here and there. Oh, it's not came 2.0. Go away. Um, but yeah, if he's 0 and 4 and he's pitching well with that 0 and 4, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to get frustrating really, really fast. So one thing I want to do is kind of before we wrap up here is when you look at the dot, when the Dodgers come to town, I feel like we're always kind of comparing the giants to the Dodgers, just kind of where they stand. So and uh, this is a question I asked Farhan in the end of the season uh, presser last year. Basically, it was just kind of how do you close the gap on the Dodgers? Now, since he got here, the gap between the Giants and Dodgers, it's grown a little bit. Um, and so, you know, his answer was basically, you know, the Dodgers set the standard. They built their team up through a really strong farm system, having that pipeline before going out and then plugging the holes uh, with with free agent guys, with trade guys like, say, a Mookie Betts or a Freddie Freeman. Now, I know that's kind of the, the plan the Giants want to do, but you're just not seeing it progress as, as fast maybe as we want. Shask, when you look at kind of the, comparing the Dodgers now to the Giants now, how far does that gap seem to you? Does it feel like it's just a massive chasm that just doesn't seem clearable right now? Does it, are you feeling in any way, shape, or form that it could be getting closer anytime soon? How do you feel just right now about the gap between the Giants and the Dodgers? I mean, they have two guys in their everyday lineup who are going to the Hall of Fame. In Freddie, for, or at least on trajectory to go to the Hall of Fame, in Freddie Freeman and, and Mookie Betts. Uh, and then you look around the rest of their lineup, and although it's not, you know, murderer's row, it, it always seems to produce. And then I look at their pitching staff, they're without their, their number one dude and Walker Bueller. And do they really even miss him right now? I know that their record isn't as great as it should be because um, they've obviously lost some games to the D backs early on, but. Like, I mean, Urias is 2-0. and I believe Dustin May is 1-0. and Kershaw, 1-1. and Like, they've got a, a rotation that, to me, is still elite. The bullpen is questionable. That's always going to be questionable. The Giants are far behind. Like, there's yeah. no other way around it. They are behind. Um, and even a year, like, a lot of people looked at the Dodgers offseason this year, and they said, wow, Dodgers, they really seem to take a step back. And this is something I've been saying a lot, and I'm going to say it right now because that's something I think we need to be ready for. 
when the Dodgers took a step back this offseason, it's cl- it's clear they're trying to go after Shohei Otani. Yeah. And that's going to be their mission this offseason. So whatever the Dodgers do this year, they're looking at it as we're going to add Otani to this lineup next year, and then we're going to be full go going against the Padres. Because the Dodgers right now, it, they still are able to crank out talent out of their farm system. They still got a ton of guys in that system who they can rely on soon. And, you know, you're talking about the Giants trying to close the gap in the Dodgers. It's, they had such a massive head start. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it all starts with getting to see one of these guys from the Giants. Casey Schmidt, we get to see maybe Elliot Ramos this week because he's going to get called up. Like, let's see it. I know they signed Darren Ruff to a minor league contract. I'm over that. I'm over 36-year-old Darren Ruff. What are we doing? Why are we wasting our time? Like, why? Like, it does it like that. that. That right there is the difference between the Giants and the Dodgers. We're worried about what a guy has left who has zero ties to the team and can't even play a specific defensive position. They're worried about their current and their future. It's, exactly. It drives me nuts. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe the Giants can surprise us and maybe take this series and really set the tone early on against the Dodgers. Doing so would certainly improve the mood of Giants fans. And honestly, it's going to be nice to see some National League on yes. National League action. So uh, this has been the 49th episode of the Garlic Fries and Baseball Guys podcast. Be sure to join us next later this week as uh, we will react to this Giants-Dodgers series. For Joe Shasky, I am Sam Lubman. We will catch you on the next one.